Father God, uh, thank you so much for what you've already done in our time here tonight. Would you pray or pray our hearts beforehand to receive your word? God, would you till up the soil of our hearts so to be good soil to receive what you're wanting to do in each of our lives, God. Help me to communicate well. Uh, help us to push through distractions and tiredness and really receive what you're wanting to speak to us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 23 uh, here in a second. So as I mentioned, Jackie's been out of town, right? Jackie's been out of town since Sunday, so the last four, four, four and a half days. Um, been getting to, to be full-time dad, take care of the kids, make sure the kids get all, all of their things, and then also doing Kyle for Kyle for responsibilities. Um, I'm a little tired. Come, come Thursday, we're almost to the, almost to the weekend, praise the Lord. Uh, but, so this morning, i got to be honest, I was dragging a little bit, right? So that alarm goes off early in the morning, early in the morning, way before some of you guys wake up. Uh, it's for me to get up and then start start waking up the kids, getting them ready for school, pack their lunches, uh, and then get, get, all, get them out the door, hopefully usually out the door by 7.20 or so to get them to school. Um, so usually I'm waking up, you know, before that, uh, usually around, around 6, 6, 6, 15, 630. The temptation when that alarm goes off, though, is to, is to hit the snooze button, right? So you guys experience this. I would guess in this room, probably almost all of you, your alarm is your phone. Is that, is that pretty accurate? Maybe, maybe some of you guys have the old-fashioned alarm clock with the metal bells that ring, but uh, most of you, it's probably your phone. And the temptation when, when the alarm's going off on the phone is they, may, they have an a oval right there in the middle yeah. that says snooze. Like just a little bit longer, right? Would you, like, sleep feels good, right? You don't really need to get up now. You guys have all kinds of strategies to work around that. Some of you guys have 18 alarms. Some of you guys set set your alarm to go off an hour before you need to so you can snooze all the way. That part I don't get because I'd rather have the uninterrupted sleep. But hey, you guys have all experienced the snooze factor, right? Um, I was tempted this morning. I didn't sleep. I didn't sleep real well. You know, my, my wife's gone. 14 and a half years of marriage, you just get used to another person in the bed. And so it's like, it doesn't seem right. You know, I don't, I don't have, you know, the, her breathing or whatever, you know, helps. Some of you guys have like a sound machine or you listen to like ocean sounds or music. Um, anyway, I just, it, it was weird. So I didn't sleep well. So I was tired getting up. And so that, that, that snooze popped up and I'm like, I'm really tempted, right? I, I'm trying to do the math, you know, in my sleepy grind brain like, okay, if I do 10 more minutes, can I still get them to school on time? If I, if I do 15 more minutes, is it, is, is it likely at all we'll get out in time for them to get to school? Uh, I got to make their lunches, right? I need to get dressed. I had a, 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 a conference I went to uh, earlier today that, that I needed to like be dressed for and have showered and stuff and not just be you know rolled out of bed head looking. And so, so I'm doing that math in my head about should I snooze and, and, and running into this. And this is a situation you guys have been into. Uh, I've got an important choice to make because I can either sleep in or I can get up and shower and get dressed, but I can't do both, right? There's not time for both. So it's like sleep or like shower and, and look presentable, right? For, for when I have to see people today, but I can't do both, right? That's that either or scenario um, that you guys are faced with probably many mornings, right? Do I, do I get up now or do I be late to class? Um, and, you know, I, I didn't leave enough time. I can either shower or I can eat breakfast, but I can't do both, right? We have a lot of these either or scenarios in life. I mean, part of growing up, and then being a mature adult is knowing how to handle those either-or scenarios. They call it an opportunity cost. What does it cost me to do this thing uh, versus what not do it? And I, or I can't do two things, right? Uh, if if uh, o- O'Shea ha- has two tickets 
to go see the Grizzlies, right? And he's going to go and he wants to bring a friend. Uh, he has to choose. Am I going to bring, you know, Chris or Brandon? He can't bring both, right? He's got to bring one or the other. He's got to choose. He might want to bring Justin and leave them both at home. But he can't bring both, right? You got to choose either or, either or. And so, man, your day, if you think about when you wake up to when you go to sleep at night is probably hundreds of either or decisions where it's okay. I can't do both of these things. I can do one or the other. Tonight, we are going to look at one of the most crucial either or scenarios that you're going to face. You can't do both. You can do one or the other. This is probably the most crucial either or uh, that you're going to face in life. We've been going through a series on Thursday nights this semester about what it means to truly live like Jesus. What does it mean to live like Jesus? Right? When we want to live like somebody, we want to be like somebody, we'll study their life. Man, we'll watch, watch tape of them, video of them. Like, how can I do like they do? How can I be more like them? We study the lives of the people we want to emulate, whether that's athlete or musician, whatever that might be. Man, we, we say, hey, I want to be like you. I'm going to study your life to be more like you. Um, and if there is a perfect model of, of what it looks like to live uh, man, a godly, loving, moral life, man, that, that, we see that in the life of Jesus in the Gospels. Um, he's the one that we want to emulate. He's the one we want to live like. Uh, 1 John 2.6 says, Whoever claims to be in God must walk as Jesus walked. So if we're going to claim to be a Christian, we need to live as Jesus lived. It doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, but we should at least be trying to make our lives look more like Jesus, right? Every day should, we should be looking less like the mess that I started and, and, and looking more like Jesus every day. Uh, and God is patient with us and he's gracious with us. And, and, and certainly there, there, there's, there's stumblings along the way, but we need to be at least trying to live like Jesus lived. If we're going to claim to be a Christian. If we're not going to claim to be a Christian, well, then whatever. But if you're going to claim, yeah, I know God. I've got a relationship with God. Then we should see that in your life, right? If I'm going to claim to be a Christian and you see that nowhere in my life, you see that nowhere in the way I treat people, right? The way I carry myself, you're going to be like, is he really a Christian? Because I think he's a hypocrite, right? I think he's fake. Uh, and, And that's what John's saying here. If we're going to claim to be believers... No, we need to live as Jesus lived. Uh, so that we've been talking about what that means, modeling our life after Jesus and learning to let his priorities shape our priorities. Each week in the series, we look at a different episode in the life of Jesus uh, and see what we can learn from it. So last week, Natalie talked about uh, learning to speak like Jesus. How do we speak like Jesus? The words of Jesus. How do we uh, communicate with people the way that Jesus did? I mean, that was an excellent message, uh, encouraging us to be bold and speak in the truth and love to the people in our lives. So tonight we're going to continue that uh, and look at How do we forgive like Jesus? We're talking about forgiveness tonight. How do we forgive the people in our life, forgive the people around us the way that Jesus did? And so I had you guys turn to Luke 23. That's the passage that we're in tonight. Uh, Luke 23, starting in verse 20. The episode in Jesus' life we're going to look at this week is a very well-known one. This is the crucifixion. This is a crucifixion. So to set up the text a little bit, um, you know, Jesus, 2,000 years ago, uh, man, living there, living there in, in, in Israel, and he, he's been traveling around. He's been preaching about the kingdom of God. He's been teaching people what it means to follow God and live lives that are pleasing to God. Not only that, he's been working supernatural miracles and signs and wonders, uh, and, and he's drawn a lot of attention, some good attention, also some bad attention. Religious leaders that say, hey, we don't like this guy, whether it's they're jealous of the attention he's getting or the things he's saying sound blasphemous. He's claiming to be the son of God. He's claiming to be equal with God. Well, no way. We're not going to tolerate that. 
Um, I mean, they didn't like Jesus, right? So they're trying to find ways to trap him, to catch him. Uh, Natalie talked last week about uh, you know ways they would try to catch him, and uh, and and man, Jesus was good about sidestepping that, right? Uh, but but man, they, they didn't like him, and then eventually, uh, man, that, that led to a plot to have him arrested and put on trial. Now, Jesus hadn't done anything wrong, but they had put him on trial uh, and saying, hey, man, we're, we're done with this guy. We want to see him executed, right? Uh, you know, the, the, the Jews there in that time in Israel were under the authority of the Romans, and they didn't have the authority to uh, do capital punishment, execute people, so they sent him over to the Romans. Uh, the Roman governor say, hey, we, hey, we want this guy put to death, and, and, and they say, what for? And they say, well, because he, he's saying blasphemy, he's saying, saying stuff that we don't believe with, and they say, that's not a good reason to kill somebody, and that's where we pick up here in Luke chapter 23, right? Jesus before Pilate, right? This governor who says, Jesus, I, I like you. I don't want to kill you. Like, we need to figure out another plan. Uh, Luke chapter 23, starting in verse... 20. Um, again, crowds of people are gathering there calling for Jesus to be crucified. Crucify him, crucify him. They want to see Jesus put to death. Verse 20, wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again, appealing to the crowd. But they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time he spoke to them, why? What crime has this man committed? I've found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified. And their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their decision. Right? He said, hey guys, we don't need to kill this guy. You guys are being ridiculous. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll rough him up a little bit and release him, but we don't need to put this guy to death. But the crowd was insistent, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Um, they wanted to see him put to death. Uh, so Pilate gives in, and he gives in to their demand. Drop down to verse 32. Uh, they take Jesus there to the place to be, to be crucified. It says, Two other men, both criminals, were also led with him to be executed. Verse 33, When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, one on his left. You know, what it mean, meant to be crucified uh, is to have your body literally nailed to a wooden cross. Um, you know, nails going through your, your hands or wrists and na- nails going through your feet or ankles, nailing you to the cross, and then you would hang there uh, and, and until you died from it, until you suffocated. Whether that took hours, however long that took, you would just hang there until you died. Uh, leading up to this, they'd been torturing Jesus and whipping him, beating him, cussing at him, spitting on him, pulling his beard out. Uh, you know, he'd been, he'd been mistreated, abused, tortured, uh, and, and now they are finally killing him, nailing him to the cross. They're going to string him up and he's going to hang there till he dies. Verse 34, Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. How was Jesus able to say that? How is he able to forgive this crowd who called for his death, these soldiers who were torturing him and executing him? Who does that? Right? I've been tortured all day. Right? I'm beaten and bloody. People are are cussing at me, spitting on me, calling for my death. I'm literally being put to death. Who does that? Who says, Father, forgive them? Who says that? How is that even possible? Right? How do we forgive like Jesus? That's a supernatural forgiveness, right? That's amazing. How do we forgive 
like that. Forgiveness was at the absolute core of who Jesus was and is foundational to understanding everything that he taught. I would take it as far as this. You do not fully know Jesus if you don't understand and embrace forgiveness. I'll say it again. You do not fully know Jesus if you don't understand and embrace forgiveness. It is that important. It's that important. One of the most challenging teachings of Jesus appears uh, in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. This is in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and he says this. He says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Hey, great. If you forgive other people, God will forgive you. Well, that's great. That's good news. That's good news. Verse 15. If you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Period. <laughs> Period. If you do not forgive other people their sins, God will not forgive your sins, full stop, period. That's tough, right? We think we're entitled. We think we got right. Man, you don't know what they did to me. <laughs> Jesus was very plain. If you do not forgive them their sins, God will not forgive you your sins, period. Period. Forgiveness is key. How's that for an either-or scenario, right? We're talking about either-or scenarios. You can either hold on to your bitterness, hold on to your forgiveness, or hold on to unforgiveness, hold on to bitterness, stay mad, or you can have your sins forgiven, but you can't have both. you got to pick one, right? You can either choose to stay mad at them, stay bitter at them, man, what they did. You hold on to that unforgiveness, or you can be a Christian. You can't do both, Right? You can't have a relationship with God and hold on to unforgiveness. You can't do it. You can't have both. Jesus says you can't have both. If you refuse to forgive other people, God's not going to forgive you. We're going to talk about why, why, why I think that is. But Jesus is very plain about it. You've got to understand forgiveness. Until we embrace forgiveness, really understand forgiveness, get forgiveness deep down, then, then we're not really going to know God and really know Jesus. It's that core. It's that important. Our unforgiveness separates us from God and puts our own relationship with Him in jeopardy. God is deadly serious about this issue of forgiveness, and we must be serious about it as well. Right? When we see unforgiveness in our life, when we see bitterness deep down in our heart, when we see man, man, just even an angry anger towards people or we're holding on to a grudge towards people, we need to take that deadly serious because Jesus says it's deadly serious. It's deadly serious. Your relationship with God is in jeopardy, right? If you do not forgive other people their sins, God does not forgive your sins, period. To help us understand God's heart about forgiveness and to put it in perspective for us, uh, Jesus tells an important story, an important parable. Um, the parable is in Matthew 18. I'm not, uh, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to, going to paraphrase it. But uh, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, asks him about forgiveness. And how many times should we forgive people? And, well, I forgave them, Jesus, but then they just hurt me again. So do I still forgive them? Or how does that work? Um, and, and this is the question. And Jesus answers this question. But then he also tells a story to get at the heart of what forgiveness is about. Um, and that's really what I wanted you guys to get. So, um, yeah, no, don't worry about that. Um, 
he tells this story, right? He tells a parable, and Jesus would often teach him parables. In fact, the Gospels say every time Jesus taught, he used some kind of parable or illustration, right? That's, that was his way of communicating. Um, and so he told this story because he said, I want you guys to understand forgiveness. So let me put it in terms that you can understand. Put, your, if you're, put yourself like you're a character in this story. He says, there was a, once there was a king, right? That's a good story, right? Once upon a time, right? Once there was a king who's settling accounts with the people in his kingdom. And he has this man come before him who owed him millions of dollars, right? Millions and millions of dollars that this man owed the king. So far, not off to a good start if you're that guy, right? He, he owes this tremendous debt to the king. The king sees that he can't pay it. There's no way he can pay it. And so the king says, you know what, it's all right. I cancel the debt. I absorb the debt. Don't worry about it. You're free to go. Uh, you know, you don't owe me anything. Wow, that's amazing. Here's what happens, though. This man who's just had his millions of dollar debt canceled leaves the throne room. He goes out into the hallway, and he sees, he sees an associate of his that owes him 20 bucks. He just had millions of dollars forgiven. He sees the guy that he lent 20 bucks to a couple weeks ago. He, he still not paid him back. Hey, where's my money? Where's, where's my $20? And, and the, the, the friend, the associate says, hey, I don't have it, but, but I'll, I'll get it to you. I'll get it to you, right? I'll, I'll, make, I'll figure out a way. And it's, no, you're going to give it to me right now. I'm going to throw you in prison until every penny's been paid. Please have mercy on me. I'll, I'll, I'll get you your $20. The Bible says he grabs a hold of him and chokes him. Chokes him. And has him thrown in prison. Over, over a, a bag of silver, a bag of silver, which again, so small compared to the, uh, the tremendous amount of gold his debt had been forgiven, right? Has him thrown in prison over the $20. So obviously people see this and start talking about it. Ooh, did you hear what he did? Word gets back to the king. The king is furious and calls, calls the servant back into the throne room. And he says, you wicked servant. I forgave this enormous debt of yours. And then I heard what you went out in the hallway and did with your friend. Had this guy locked up, thrown away, tortured. I'm done with him, right? Tremendous, tremendous punishment. Uh, you know, the, the, the heart of God, you know, reflected there in the king of this story that, man, God is gracious and merciful. He wants to forgive. He wants to forgive us. But then he also wants to see that produce forgiveness in us towards other people. Right? So when this servant, who had this huge debt forgiven, wasn't willing to forgive the guy that owed him just a little bit, the king was furious. He said, man, man you don't get it at all. You're, at, you're not part of my kingdom anymore. Get out of here. I'm done with you. Bye. Right? I'm done. I'm done. Verse 35 says, This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. God has forgiven each of us a tremendous debt. Amen? The debt of our, our sin, a debt we can never pay. Each and every single one of us has, has done wrong, right? Every single human has that in common. We do wrong. We, we, we do things that are offensive to God. We do things that are prideful, that are selfish, things that are destructive and toxic to our own lives, and things that hurt other people. All of us do this, right? And because of this, that separates us from a God that is holy and perfect. We have this huge debt of all the things that we've done that we can never, ever repay. So God, like the king in the story, says, you know what? You can never pay this back, so I'm going to absorb the debt, right? I'm going to take it on myself. 
and you're forgiven and you're free. Right? God has forgiven an enormous debt of ours. How dare we withhold forgiveness from others when we've been shown such a great mercy? Right? How dare we refuse to forgive others when we've been shown so much grace and so much mercy? God is so serious about forgiveness and reconciliation. Jesus puts it this way in Matthew 5, 23. Therefore, if you are offering your gift on the altar, right? You're at prayer time, right? You're there offering your gift on the altar, and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift, right? So you're in prayer. Or maybe it's your church. It's Sunday morning. You're, you're worshiping, or you're, you're in your, your prayer closet there in your dorm. You're praying to God, and you remember, oh, yeah, uh, me, me and Chris had a fight earlier this week, and we didn't really ever make up. I never apologized. I never talked to him. I never tried to reconcile. I never tried to make it right. Uh, I, I probably should do that later. Uh, I need to make it right with Chris. God says, no, you do it now. Stop praying and do it now. I'll wait. Is that what it says? Leave your gift on the altar. Go and make it right with Chris. God says, I'll wait. I'll still be here when you get back, but that's how serious it is. Don't try to go talk to God and pray and worship if you've got unforgiveness towards someone else. If you've not been reconciled to someone else, do you guys see God's heart here? He wants us reconciled. He wants us to forgive. He says, don't, don't try to come and do a religious show and, and act all pious. If you've got something that's not right with a brother, not right with a sister, he says, I'll wait. I'll wait. You go take care of it. I'll still be here. I'll still be here. If you're praying and you need to forgive someone or be reconciled to someone, he says, stop, go take care of that. I'll wait. I'll still be here. That's how important it is to God. Unforgiveness makes it impossible for us to fellowship with God. Do you guys see that? It makes it impossible for us to have that close fellowship with God. It's toxic to our lives in every conceivable way, right? We see how it's toxic spiritually because it separates us from God, but it's also toxic to us emotionally, mentally. And when you're holding on to bitterness, when you're holding on to unforgiveness, who's that hurt? Right? If I'm mad at O'Shea and I'm fuming and I'm angry and I'm just eat up about it, does that hurt O'Shea? No. He's just going on with life. That hurts me. Unforgiveness is toxic to you. Right? My pastor uses the example that, that unforgiveness, bitterness, is like you drinking poison and hoping the other one gets sick. No, right? It's only hurting you. It's only hurting you. Unforgiveness makes it impossible for us to have close fellowship with God. It's toxic to our lives. God wants better for you than that, right? The Lord wants better for you than that. Um, when I was in college when, at the University of Tennessee, I was involved with Kyle for there, uh, and I had um, a friend, another, another Kyle student, um, a guy that he, he said something, something small, it was something petty, it wasn't a, a big deal, but in the moment it made me really mad, right? He said something he shouldn't have said. Uh, I'm not, it doesn't even matter what it was, you know, 16 plus years ago. Uh, but, but he said something that really just got under my skin. You know, sometimes people say that thing. It's like, why'd you even make that comment? Why'd you, that's ugly. Why even say that? Just keep that in your head or don't even think it at all. But he said a comment that just, it wound its way into my heart. And every time I saw him, <laughs> what? How where's he get off, right? Like, he's just sitting there, you know, like, just the, whether it was the devil or just my own flesh was like, bring it. Remember that thing he said that was ugly and hurtful? Like, man, what kind of person? And it festered and festered over a period of couple months. I couldn't be around him. You know, we'd have Bible study or we'd have a prayer time, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere near him. And it was eating me up. 
we were at a retreat. You know, we were at Breakaway a couple weeks ago, right? We were at a Cal for retreat, and I can't even focus on God, right? Like, like how God said, you know, just leave your gift and you need to go make it right. And, and th- this was really on my heart, saying, I can't even worship. I can't even focus on God. This is eating me up. I need to go and talk to, his name was Nick. I need to go talk to Nick and make it right. So I went and uh, caught Nick. He was there um, in, in the kitchen. I said, hey, I need to talk to you about something. Um, he didn't even remember the thing, right? But this, this is, it didn't matter, right? Because of what it was doing to me. I needed to, to go and, and I needed to forgive him, but then, but then also I wanted to be reconciled with him. Say, hey, I'm sorry for just being really probably cold and mean to you. You know, there, there, there's this thing and it doesn't matter and, and I forgive you and I want to be restored. I want to be right. Um, huge weight off my shoulder. Me being mad didn't hurt Nick one bit. He didn't even know it was happening. He didn't, he didn't care. He didn't know. Um, he never asked for forgiveness. He never said, oh, you know, would you please forgive me? I wasn't waiting for him to ask, or I wasn't waiting for him to apologize. Our forgiveness is not conditional on the other person apologizing, right? It's not conditional on that. Whether they apologize or not, we need to forgive them for us, for our own sake, and then also because we want to be forgiven by God, right? So whether they apologize or not, whether they ever ask for forgiveness, whether they even realize what they did, we need to forgive him for, for us. And so, man, when I forgave Nick, huge burden lifted. All of a sudden, man, I can, I can go back to worship at the retreat, and I'm enjoying it. I'm able to connect with the Lord, um, and I'm restored with, with the friend. Uh, I don't have to be awkward every time I see him. We must forgive, even if they don't ask for forgiveness, even if they don't realize they've done anything wrong. Um, and that's what, that's what God would have for us. This is the last verse here, Colossians chapter 3, and then we'll kind of wrap up here. This is Paul right into the, uh, the church there. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. He encourages us, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Those six words there are so important. Forgive how? As the Lord forgave you. Yeah, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Not, not forgive him a little bit. Forgive him how the Lord forgave you, which was completely, which was totally, which was undeservedly, which was, right? Out of a place of love. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Um, That's what God wants you to do. He wants you to forgive people. Whether they apologize or not, it doesn't really matter. Just go ahead and forgive them. Maybe they'll apologize later. And hey, it's, it's cool. That's icing on the cake, I guess. But it really doesn't matter because you've already forgiven them. You've already decided, I'm going to let that go. Now, forgiveness is hard, right? Mm-hmm. Forgiveness is incredibly hard. Incredibly hard. And, and encouraging you guys to forgive, I don't, I don't want you guys to hear me wrong. I don't want to dis- diminish uh, the pain that anyone in here has experienced, right? And saying, you need to forgive, you need to forgive. I don't want to diminish the things that you've gone through. Some of you guys have gone through incredibly painful experiences, incredibly difficult experiences. People that have wronged you severely, friends, family members, strangers that have done terrible, terrible things. Man, in a room this size, man, there's some stories. I just know there is. And some of you guys I know well, and I know the stories. There's deep hurts there, and I don't want to diminish that, right? It doesn't mean that, that that's not a big deal. It doesn't mean that that's okay. But God still, for your sake, wants you to be able to forgive them so that bitterness isn't eating you up inside, so it doesn't still have power over you, so you can experience freedom and peace and have a close relationship with God. Do you guys hear me? So I'm not saying it doesn't matter what happened to you. And again, some, some severe things have happened to some of you guys, but for your own good, right? 
We need to go to God and say, God, would you help me to forgive this? Would you help me to let this go? Because um, I don't want to carry this around for the rest of my life. Would you help me to forgive them? What they did was wrong. Would you help me to forgive them, though, because I don't want to carry on this any longer? Now, now forgiving the person doesn't, doesn't mean... It means you're still going to be wise. You're depending on the situation. You're not going to become a doormat, right? If they, if they hurt you, you're not going to keep putting yourself out there to be, to, to be hurt again and again. If it's certainly if it's an abusive situation, you know, it's wisdom to get out of that situation. Um, but as far as holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness, God has better for you than that. And that's the heart of the father. Uh, to see their child and they're all, they're all eat up with bitterness and unforgiveness and just anger. He wants better for you than that. He wants you to experience his peace and his joy uh, and closeness with him that you can't experience while you hold on to that unforgiveness. Um, going back to the story of the parable, you know, why I think the king was so harsh towards the servant who was forgiven is because when he refused to forgive his associate in the hallway, it showed he didn't really understand what he'd been forgiven from. Like he didn't get it, you know? That if he really understood the depths that he'd been forgiven, he would want to show that forgiveness to others. And so I think what the king saw in that guy's heart is, you don't get it. You don't understand, right? And I think forgiveness, when we act in forgiveness, it shows God that we realize just how much we've been forgiven of. And that's a way for us to show gratitude. We can't pay God back, but we can pay forward and forgive other people, right? Yeah. It's incredibly hard to forgive. We need God's help. But this is what helps me. This is what helps me, dwelling on those six words. How how'd the Lord forgive me? When I dwell on all the things that God has forgiven me of, when I think about all, all, all the ways that I've sinned against God, offended God, that he's forgiven, that he's absorbed, the huge debt of mine that he's forgiven, when I, when I begin to think about, God, you forgave me of this. You're so merciful to me here. You're so gracious. It helps. And I think, man, how can I not forgive this by comparison, smaller thing that this person's done to me uh, with all that you've, you've forgiven in my life, God. Again, not saying that that thing wasn't wrong or, or terrible, and, and I know there, there's, there's real pain here tonight, but God, compared to all that you've forgiven me of, how, how can I not forgive them? And when I dwell on God's grace and his mercy and what he did to forgive me and what Jesus did for us on the cross, it does make it easier to extend forgiveness and grace to someone else. If God has forgiven me of this enormous debt, how can I not forgive this person of this small in comparison offense that they've done to me? Your forgiveness cost God something, right? And forgiveness is always going to cost you something. Uh, it costs God something. It costs him his own son. It costs Jesus his life. When God forgives you, he's not just letting you off the hook. He's not just looking the other way, right? When God looks at you and he sees your sin and your lostness and your brokenness, it's not like he just says, oh, it's fine, or I'm just going to look the other way. No, it cost him something because God is good and just, and, and that, that, that sin had to be punished. But he chose to lay the punishment on Jesus instead. That's the good news of the gospel. But it cost God something to forgive you. And so it's going to cost us as well, right? To say, hey, you know, maybe justice is never done on this earth, right? Maybe the wrong that they did me, uh, you know, there, there's a Bible verse that says, vengeance is the Lord. The Lord will repay. He'll settle all accounts in the end, but it may not happen on this earth, and I've got to be okay with that. We pray for justice, and we fight for justice, but if justice never happens on this earth, it's going to cost me, but I'm going to forgive all the same. 
I'm going to let that go. Uh, I'm not going to carry around that bitterness because I'm not going to put my relationship with God in jeopardy. It's not worth that. Amen? Part of forgiving someone is fully letting it go, right? Not reminding them of it. Hey, remember that time I forgave you of all those terrible things you did? Right? No, that's not forgiveness, right? Forgiveness is letting it go. Letting it go. And in love, not bringing it up. Does God bring up our mess to us? No. That's what the devil does, right? The devil's the accuser of the brethren. He's the one that you're, oh, all those terrible things you did, nobody could love you. Right? God doesn't do that, though. God forgives you. And it's as far as the east is from the west. He said, we're never going to talk about it again. It's done. It's done. And when we forgive other people, we need to forgive the same way. Right? When people do us wrong, here's what it means to be a Christian. When someone does you wrong, you don't have the right to punish them for what they've done wrong to you because Jesus already took that punishment on the cross. When you say, I'm going to get them back. Oh, you hurt me. I'm going to make you regret it. I'm going to get you back. Right? We're saying that what Jesus did on the cross wasn't sufficient. No, Jesus already took your punishment and theirs on the cross. So you don't get to punish them. Right? When someone offends you and someone does you wrong, you don't have the right to punish them or pay them back because Jesus already took their punishment on the cross. So since it's already paid for, we forgive it. We forgive it. Say, man, I'm going to let that go. I'm going to release that. I'm not going to hold on to that anymore. That crime has already been punished. That debt has already been paid. And we just need to forgive as we've been forgiven. Amen? So to wrap up, Practically, how do you forgive someone? Let's get super practical. How do you forgive someone? Step one, pray and ask for God's help. Again, forgiveness is difficult. And in some cases, even seems absurd. You know, for Jesus there on the cross, how? That's a supernatural. We need God's help. We can't do it in our own strength. God, I need your help forgiving this person. And that's what the prayer would probably sound a lot like. God, would you help me to forgive this person? I'm angry. Maybe I'm furious. God, you saw what they did, and what they did was not right. But God, I don't want to hold on to this forever. God, help me forgive this person. It starts in prayer. God, help me to forgive. And maybe it's not instantaneous. Maybe it's a process. Maybe you have to go to God again and again, and it gets a little better, a little better, a little better. Then you fast forward months or maybe years, and you realize, oh, it's gone, right? Not that it didn't happen or even that the memory's gone, but the, the weight and the pain, oh, it's gone. And I've got peace where there used to be pain because God's, God's help. So pray, ask God for help. Ask God for help. If necessary, go talk to them. But it's not always necessary. It's not, again, sometimes people hurt you and they don't even know they did it. So bringing it up is just going to, what? This is going to stir stuff. Just let them go. Just say, you know what? God, I forgive them. You know, if it's relevant or it comes up and it's a, a teachable moment and we can talk, if it's a discipleship thing and I, hey, you know, and I want to, I want to, you know, Matthew 18 and, and uh, you know, and I talk to him about it, that's fine. Um, but there's a lot of cases where it's like, you know what? I'm just going to forgive that and just let it go and just show them love and grace like God's forgiven me. Um, but pray and ask God for help, you know, and, and say the words, I forgive them. Maybe you're a writer, write it out. I, I forgive them. I don't hold that against him anymore. And maybe write out what happened, write out the offense, tear it up, and whatever is helpful for you, uh, and, and say, God, would you make it real in my heart? I'm saying the words, I forgive you, I release you. God, would you also make it real in my heart? Help me to forgive them. Help me to release this pain and not hold it against them any longer. Help me, again, to uh, absorb this, Jesus. Like, you, you forgave my sin and say, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to expect you to repay me, not expect you to make it right. I don't even expect you to apologize. If you do, it's nice. 
But I forgive you either way. Pray and ask God for help. If necessary, go and talk to them. I mean, especially if it's something where you both know each other are mad. And be, be, the, be the, the bigger woman, the bigger man that goes up and says, Hey, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry for, for, for what I did. Uh, I, I beg for your forgiveness. And I also want you to let you know I completely forgive you and I love you. And, and I don't have any bad feelings against you. There will be some situations where it's appropriate to say that. And even as we're talking here tonight, some of you guys are thinking of people that you need to go and do that with, right? People that, that maybe later tonight you need to call or text or this weekend you need to get with and say, hey, we need to talk. Um, I love you and I care about you. And there's been this thing that's been going on, maybe unsaid for a while. And man, I just want to talk about it and, and, and get it right and, and, and let you know that, that, that uh, I'm not going to let that come between us. And I love you. Um, and if they're like, what are you talking about? You know? Um, you can share the good news of Jesus and what he's done for you, right? Um, I want to take some time and, and respond uh, in, in prayer. Um, O'Shea, would you mind to, to, to play a little bit? Um, I, know that, I know this is tough, right? I understand the, the gravity, the weight of the idea of, of, of releasing, of letting go uh, hurts. And some of us, some of these hurts we've been carrying around so long that it's almost our identity, right? It's been, it's been part of who we are since we were children, maybe. And, and the idea, I don't even know who I am if I don't have this bitterness, right? God still wants you to be free from it. He still wants you to experience freedom from it. Um, so I, I want to take some time. We've got these next few moments here uh, j- just to pray. Uh, and seek the Lord and ask for God's help. And if, he, if he's brought pe- specific people to mind, I would specifically pray, God, help me to forgive them. God, help me to go to them and talk to them in the coming days and be reconciled and make it right. I mean, again, some of these situations might be abusive things where it's better for you to stay out of that person's life, but emotionally, you can still release it to the Lord. Amen? You can still choose. I'm not going to carry around this bitterness. I'm not going to let it eat me up. I'm not going to let it be a poison that I sip on hoping it hurts them when it's really only hurting me. Amen? For your own good, for your own peace, for your own freedom, right? God wants better for you than that. Your father loves you, and he wants better for you than that than to carry that around.